So uh, DB says, nah, 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 nah. There's no reason for me not to have to go. DB goes there, and an hour later, they killed him. But my father Shit. told him that morning, do not go by yourself. If, if you've got to go, don't go by yourself. And DB was 100% sure there was no reason that anything was going to happen, and they killed him an hour later. You think if so, you'd have went with him, they'd have killed you too? Oh, I'm, I'm fucking dead. We wouldn't have this conversation. But, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> the following podcast is a Carolina Boys production. Welcome back, everyone, to Crime and Entertainment. I'm your host, Hollywood Way. Now, today, we're going to go back into the mob genre for you people. We got Frank DiMatteo on the show. Frank has a very interesting story. He worked with a lot of people in the life, grew up around the Gallo crew in New York, spent a little time with the Chins crew, even spent a little time with the Cavalcantes over in New Jersey, who, if uh, people don't know, they were kind of the basis for the Sopranos. So very interesting story here we've got for you today. Also, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, MadVikingBeard.com. Be sure to go over there if you want your beard looking sharp like old Hollywood's. Go to MadVikingBeard.com slash Hollywood. Save yourself a few dollars. Get you some good products. Great products over there. If you're growing a beard out there, you don't want to underestimate what those products can do for you, my friend. So without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's get right into it. Here with Frank DiMatteo on Crime and Entertainment. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Crime and Entertainment. We have here today a very special guest diving back into the mob world here. We have Frank DiMatteo. Frank, how are you, my friend? I'm good. Thank you. I'm good. All right. Well, I'm glad you could make it on the show. Um, you've got a very interesting story cause I've done a little research on you since we put this, uh, interview in place and you've actually worked up under a lot of different families or worked with a lot of different families. You spent a little bit of time with the decavs, you worked on the chin for a little while and you started out, you know, with the Gallo crew. So you've got a lot of insight that a lot of other guys won't have because most of the guys we've talked to were kind of loyal and set to one family. And they didn't change. Um, and I want to get into how that came around to where you were able to kind of just go where you wanted. But first, uh, let's start with, you know, where you grew up. That's where I like to start with everybody. Uh, you grew up in Red Hook, Brooklyn. Is that right? That's right. I was born in Red Hook, Brooklyn in the 50s. Uh, um, yeah, I, I come from Court Street. I lived there for many, many, many years. I was brought up down there. Yeah, it was the... It was the um, it was all the homegrown, uh, a lot of homegrown uh, gangsters came out of Red Hook. Right. Uh, our main, uh, our main um, clubs was in uh, Red Hook on President Street. So I spent most of my time down there. Now, down when there. you were coming up, I know, you, you know, later on we'll get into how you got kind of into the life. But did you know that your family and father was involved in the mob or, you know, because a lot of times as a kid, you don't really know. You know, as a kid, people are just, you know, they say they're uncles or whatever. You know, you don't really question it. But at what age did you start kind of realizing that, you know, your family and the guys that would come around were just a little different? 
I would say about 10. I really started realizing because people started whispering. So, you know, a little scuttlebuck was going on. But prior to that, it, these guys were my uncles. We, My father, you know, uh, came up early. He's with these guys. These guys came over the house. You know, they didn't talk too much business that you could hear them. Right. Uh, and if it was something that not, we didn't need to hear, we would be told to leave the room anyway. Right. So uh, that's about 10 years old. And then I really figured it out. And then it just blossomed from there on. Yeah. Now I've heard you talk about at six years old, you actually witnessed a murder, uh, Joey Mags. Yeah. Yeah. We were coming out of, me and my mother was coming out of an apartment building, a, a friendly band, Fourth Avenue Union. And we're in the corner and my mother noticed that a few guys she knew was on the, coming out of a car. And one of them with Joe Mags went over to, uh, went over to one of the skippers that were there. And, uh, and an argument happened, and uh, an argument happened, and what? And this Joe Max wound up getting shot. Wow! So, like I said, it was like a cowboy and Indian thing. It was not. It wasn't too gory, you know. It was. It was a, you know, across the street. It was bang bang, fell on the floor. My mother wished me away. So I wasn't too, uh, you know, taken back by it. You know, I was young. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, startled that for you know from the bang bang, but but like I said, it wasn't too too bad. You know, later on I found out it was you know when everybody started coming around, I found out who it was and what really happened. You know, and then I didn't know he was dead on the floor that second. Or how would I know? You know, a bang bang is on the floor. It could have fell. You know, it could have been hurting hurt. I didn't know you know that bad until later on that evening. And then uh, so really didn't I mean really didn't trauma trauma's not as, as at all. You know, trauma out of it. You know. So. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. now your father was in the mob as well, correct? Yeah, my father was deep in the mob. Yeah, deep in the mob. Now he was yeah, was he yeah, a made father. guy? No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. He wouldn't take a made. Uh, he wouldn't take the button. He got, he got offered three times buttons. He got offered uh, by uh, uh, Genovese family. He got offered uh, by the Colombos, and he got offered by uh, in uh, in. Um, Jersey with um, Sammy Diploma. Okay. He no, he wouldn't take it because his philosophy was that if you were if you were freelance like he was, you're not obligated, and you you can't be told what to do. Mm-hmm. And he was a stickler on that. Uh, he stood with uh, Larry Gallo from 1961 till he died in '68 as his private bodyguard, and then he went over to Albert as his bodyguard until '76. So he uh, stood there, yeah, like 15, 16 years with the Gallows. Uh, he originally came up with Tony Benda from the Genovese family. He was bouncing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Joey and the Larry came up to see Tony Benda. I think it was at the wagon wheel or something like that, because uh, Tony Benda was helping Joey with a breakaway against Joe Pafacci. Right. And uh, Ricky, uh, Ricky was there bouncing, and he wound up getting to a fight with a black guy that was there that said something to a girl out of the way in those days early you know it wasn't uh, too common so uh, Ricky wound up knocking this guy out two punches and the guy wound up being a middleweight champion uh, Emil Griffith so when when Larry and Joey saw that they went over to Tony Bender and they said well we can use this guy in Brooklyn can we have him so Tony said take him and so Larry and Joey went over to uh, Ricky 
and said, you want to come to Brooklyn with us? And they started talking. And Ricky said, fine. And that's why he wind up in Brooklyn with uh, Larry and the Gallows. Wow. And that's, that's how he wound up. And then he went through the first war with them, uh, 62, 63, 62, 63, I think, maybe up early 64. Mm-hmm. And he just stood with, uh, you know, Larry. And he got really, really close. And he was well-respected. My father was well-respected. I mean, you can go to any family. Uh, I mean, any family, any crew, you know, Ricky, that's it. You know, so people used to reach out to each other. And be, being that he was instrumental, a lot of we had a lot of connects, a lot of friends. So you would deal with a lot of different families because it, it, peacetime, you got to make money. Mm-hmm. You know, I got bad bonds and I can't get rid of them. I got to go. You got to go somewhere. So, you know, it might be a, a banana guy that has a connection with, you know, to dump the stuff. And that's, that's how we all, you know, get together. And that's how we all met each other. And, and, you, and you make friends. You do make relationships with other with other crews other families. And that's what Ricky did. Ricky had a lot of connections because my uncle was Joe Chapani, which is big union guy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, people who know that Joe, Joe Chapani was w- w- with Ricky and they would need a Joe Chapani. So somebody would reach out for Ricky and that's how it goes. It's a circle. And then you, and you make friends and everybody always needs someone in this life, especially, you know, uh, with these guys, cause everything's always coming up. You know, there's a lot of maneuvers coming up. You get a lot of deals coming in that you can't handle yourself. So, they wound up reaching out. That's how the game works. So Ricky wound up, uh, you know, re- really well respected, and uh, wound up with Larry uh, until he died, and then wound up with Albert until he died, until he uh, until until they broke up in 1976. Well, that's what I was going to ask. When he was with Albert, was he up with him until he got taken out in the barbershop? No, he wasn't with Albert out of stage. He was with Albert Gallo. Oh, okay, okay, Gallo. All right, all right. Yeah, I mean. Confuser, because I was thinking that was Anastasia was long before Gallo, so that's why my timeline was getting a little screwed up there. No, no, no. No. Gallo's the one that took out Albert Anastasia. Right, right. But no, with Albert Gallo, which is the third brother that was only alive, he was the last one alive. He stood with him until 76. Now, Albert was kind of the de facto boss when you were coming up. No, Larry was the boss. Larry was the uh, boss. Until Larry died. And then uh, Joey was uh, was the boss while he was in jail, but Bless overseed everything because he was the only one in, sh- in the street. Mm-hmm. But Joey, after Larry died, Joey was the boss. Uh, and, you know, then when Joey came out, he took the reins again for the year he was out, and then he got killed, and then uh, Albert was the only one left, so he took the reins back again. Mm-hmm. But pretty much, you know, that's how it worked that way. Now. As far as the Anastasia hit, and we'll we'll touch on that for a minute, there's been a lot of different rumors of who it was and and how it went down. Obviously, it was portrayed in the movie The Irishman, but about everybody that I talk to says a lot of that movie. It's probably the most fabricated and true stretch movie that Scorsese's ever done um, as far as, you know, facts. What do you think... Yeah, what do you think as far as that? The and I'm speaking Albert. Since there's two Alberts, I'll clarify and I'll do both names. Albert Anastasia. As far as that hit, um, now they said that you know Joe was the one that done that. I 110 percent. Carmine Persico, Larry Gallo, Joe Gallo, and Joe Jelly was on that hit. Right. Number 110 percent. 
because if you're in this life, you don't go around bragging that you're the barbershop quartet and you take a hit for a boss like that and you're just a banana just yelling saying that. So that's ridiculous. Even people even thinking that these guys in this life can walk around and say that and, and, and as a joke. Right. As bragging. It doesn't happen that way. They would have been laughed at it out of town. Number two, Joe Bofacci didn't really care for uh, Joey Gallo. And they all three got straightened out right after the Albert hit. So, you know, you put those two things together and, you know, and, and I'm, I sat with Larry for many, many years and Albert and, and everybody that's been in this, in this life around that's been made guys, bosses under bosses. And, and they got the respect for that hit. So, I mean, anybody can say anything. There's another, I know the, I heard the other variation, but there's nothing there. It's nothing. If somebody just come up with something, nothing there. I mean, uh, is that impossible? Uh, yeah, but uh, um, it just you just can't survive in this life and, and, and walk around and do stupid shit like that. It just doesn't happen. Right. And, I mean, his nickname was the Lord High Executioner, and I think they call him the Mad, Mad Hatter or something as well. I mean, he was a brutal dude, yeah. but there was also been, and I've heard you mention this, and I think I've heard other people mention in the past, that he was actually accused of selling buttons. That's what they said. You know, it happened before my time. I mean, that's what they said. But let me tell you something about this life. When I do something, not me personally, but a guy in this life does something bad. What they do is they talk about you, that you did something bad. They always push the weight somewhere else. So if you're doing something bad, maybe it was Tony Bender, and Bender said, nah, Albert's doing it. He said, you don't know. That was the rumor. Number two, this guy was really, uh, you know, nutty. He was, you know, he'll kill you for no reason. You know, this guy, a lot of guys didn't like that. And number three, Vito Genovese want to make a move again. So, you know, it, it is what it is. If you don't make the move, he was more stretched. It was stronger. They took out Frank uh, uh, Costello already. Uh, Willie got uh, got killed in in Jersey. Uh, Lucky was in uh, in um, in uh, in Italy. He couldn't do a damn thing. I mean, he got him to his weakest point, and he took over. Vito was a bad guy that way, man. So, you know, uh, had, it, it came down. You know, they put and they put. Uh, I think for the mistake, they put Carlo Cabino in charge of that. Right. He became the boss. You know. Right. You know, this world it's it's happened each boss before that, so it's nothing common. Yeah, you know the first rule was you don't kill the boss, and every boss got killed the list. So you know, you know, it's not a talk about you know rules and regulations and America or something like that. But it's 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 all it's all smoke and mirrors because it's it's all not true. You know, it's all not true. Right, and for those of us that may not get what I was actually talking to, because we do a lot of interviews on the show, it's not just mob related. But when I made the mention of selling buttons, basically. When you're made into the mob, that's what you call getting your button. And when you're selling them, obviously people are not maybe going through the proper channels or making their bones to actually earn them like they're supposed to. So in a sense, you're kind of beefing up your your family without them doing things to earn that right. And I know that was kind of a, a hit on him. Um, the Gallo let me, hit. Let me, uh, go ahead. Let me They've been doing that forever, but. So that's another thing I want to throw in there. Uh, a lot of guys got strained out because they were big, big money earners. Mm-hmm. So it's a common practice, man. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, I can I can see that. I can see if you're a, a huge earner. I can see that. 
It's been happening forever. So to hop on that thing about 57, you know, in the early 50s with Albert, I think it was just something to hop on. Right. And, 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 and it's a good conversation. But it's, it's been done thousands of times since then. Right. Now, I'm sure most of our listeners have probably seen the movie, you know, Goodfellas and Ray Liotta's character, who he's portraying Henry Hill in there, even says as a part of the movie, he's like where Crazy Joe decided to start a war. You know, the war that he started, were you close with Joe? How old were you at this time when that war was going on? Uh, with, with Joey in 1970 and 71. Yeah. I was real close. I, I was driving Bobby around and my father at that time. Yeah. I was, a, I was real close in that one. Uh, Joey, Joey, you know, didn't, uh, Joey Gallo did not recognize Joe Colombo as a boss. Right. Simple as that. Why? Because that's Joey Gallo's mindset. Joey, when they made the piece in 63, Joey was in jail. He never had a voice on it. Joey Gallo was in jail. When he came out, he he complained while he was in jail not to be kicking up to Joe Colombo because he didn't recognize him. Blast always kept the peace after six, after 64 and and and, um, and Larry. Larry kept the peace because they didn't want no uh, no more bloodshed. So, uh, but, but Joey said, when he gets out, it's over. And when Joey got out, you know, he told everybody, you know, right where it's at. You know I mean? There was a, he called Joe Columbia to come down. He sent Rocky, uh, Rocky, uh, and another guy. I forgot who the other guy is. I don't remember. And, uh, with an envelope with Joey, Joey laughed at through the guy's face, told him, go get a gun. And that's what he told us. He told us, go get guns. Cause we're going to hit the mattresses because, He's, he told them, do not give them a dime. Do not go where they are. Do not, you know, if you're doing anything with them all, just cut it out. Which that would be, that, that would be Joe uh, Colombo's crew. You know, those guys do not, do not deal with them. Do not forget that Joe Colombo, uh, Joey Gallo is a crew in the Pafachi family, mm-hmm. which turned into a Colombo family. Right. So they're only a crew. Joey and those guys never, never treated them like, like they were a crew. They always were independent. That's why always... They were always a stickler in the side of uh, Pafachi and then um, and, and Colombo. You know, when, between '64 and '71, when he, he got shot, he left the the gallows alone. They let them do what the hell they want because they were painy asses. They would, you know, they would shoot fast. They were tough guys. There were a lot of killers on both sides. So, and, and they didn't listen. So they let them run around. You know, let them go earn. Let them take this. Let them take that. Like that. It's like leave me alone. You know. As, but until Joey got out, and then Joey says, "Nah, you ain't the boss." Now, and well, one thing too from Joey, like looking, he was a kind of a, high, and I know Frank Costello did it too. Um, you know, to a certain extent, he would kind of hobnob with celebrities and and people on the the upper echelon of New York. But Joey done that as well, and there's all sorts of rumors of you know people that were around on murders that night. I think Jerry Orbach's name gets thrown around a lot. Um, but before that happened, like who would you probably say, because you're close to some of these guys, who would you say was the most violent? Joey Gallo was a tough guy. He was he, 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 no fear. He'll crack you with his hands or he'll shoot you. But we had a lot of guys, man, uh, in, 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 in that crew. A lot of guys. Bobby Bongevant, Bobby Dow was a killer. He had a probably 10 under his belt. You had Sally Mangiamelli, killer, man. I mean, you've got that whole crew ever of people were all, all shooters. I mean, so who's tougher than the other? I don't know. 
they were all scary. I mean, they killed uh, uh, Joe Mags fast because Joe Mags was it'll kill you. You know what I mean? They killed Joe Jelly fast. You know why they killed Joe Jelly fast? Because he was a killer. Yeah. So they, you know they take out your strength yeah. first. So that goes to show you who they take out first and who they fear. Yeah. So that's how this works. Yeah. So there was a lot of good, but Joey was a tough guy. He was old school, smiling face and cracking him out. You know what I mean? And 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 that's how he was. You know, I happen to be very close to Joe. I admired him. You know, because he was like the the mentor of everybody. You know, he was very charismatic. Uh, he was very warm with us. You know, I mean, he saw us in the street. And don't forget, we were very young at the time. Um, you make sure you have a dime in your pocket. Make sure, you know, very respectful. You know, uh, I, I just, for that age, you know, I was memorized by, by, you know, by him. He was just, he was the man. And there's long been rumors that, you know, obviously Joe Colombo, he was doing the, the rally and a black guy comes up and shoots him. Yeah, there's been long rumors that Joey could have possibly facilitated that because I know he was close with guys like Nikki Barnes and and other ones. He became close to him while he was in prison. Um, what do you have to say about that? Is there any truth to that? No, no truth in that. That 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 hit was put up by uh, uh, Cambino and the and the and the, and the um, Colombo family. They had to, they they had to get rid of him. Yeah, I mean, a, he was he making was, a lot of noise. Yeah, he was making a lot of noise. He was, yeah. he was bringing a lot of heat down. Trust me. And, but they're smart, these guys. They they know how to throw the heat off them. So what's the best thing? Crazy Joe's arguing with them. Get get a black guy and go kill him. I mean, Joey was crazy. Joey not that crazy. He had a, he had tons of shooters. He don't need to do that. Yeah. Uh, but you kill two birds with one stone. You do that. You pin it on Joey. And, and 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 you get and, and the interior like the the family got you know, Apollo got the pain in the ass out of the way and uh, the rest of the crew that plotted against them Carmine Persico and all those guys they plotted against them and, and they got rid of him and threw the heat onto Joey. They say that yeah 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 that that it, it could have came from there, but they had to sit down after and they got cleared. That's what people don't understand. There was a sit down after that. They got cleared of that. I mean, we could talk forever about it. That's why, you know, Albert living, and that's why um, a lot of guys involved in that got a pass mm-hmm. because it got clear that it wasn't didn't come from them. You know what I mean? Uh, in the early days, I mean, right after maybe about a, within a month, there was uh, you know, you know, it was going on. You know, we hit the mattresses, and they cleared that up pretty fast. But it was still, you know, there was still, uh, you know, no love lost. There was st- stuff going on, but they strained that out a long time ago. They, everyone who's supposed to know and does know who killed um, um, Joe Colombo. And Joey and, had a lot of, I mean, son. Joey had a lot of people that was, that was loyal to him. And I think that's one thing I'm always curious about when I talk about some of these, you know, more notable names and, and organized crime It's that old, you know, phrase from the movie, a Bronx tale. And it's, was he loved or feared? You know, do, what do you think Joey was more loved or feared? No, I think Joey was loved. I really think that you, Joey, you want to be with Joey. It, it was, yeah, he had that charisma mm-hmm. uh, to to be with him, you know. And in those days, uh, you would get a lot of per, you know perks, 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 get being around uh, Joey. When people when they, when they knew you were around Joey, they used to say, "Oh, oh, be quiet. That guy's with Joey." It pulled a lot of weight, man. Mm-hmm. So. 
that would tend, you know, to, to gravitate to him. Do you fear him? You, you've got to fear in this life. You've got to feel it, fear it because they're killers, man. Yeah. I'm going to go there and love you, but I'm going to tell, uh, tell you you're an asshole. It doesn't work that way, man. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. You, you, of course there's fear. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but I think he was well, very well liked. He took care of his guys good. Uh, even when things were tight, he, he, he tried to spread the wealth as best he could. But guys went with him by choice. They didn't have to, man. They could have stood right where they were with the Columbos, man. They they could have went down the block because they were a Colombo family. Then I, you know, they just could have walked down the block and not and 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 not stood with Joey. But they they stood with Joey. They were yeah. very very loyal. Another yeah. another name that always comes up when you talk about you know loved or feared is uh, Sonny Francis, and it seems like he was both. Like it's it's hard to be loved, respected, and feared all in the same sentence because it's kind of like all those are different different directions, but I think if somebody was Sonny Francis would probably fit that category as well. Well, Sonny was loved by his crew. Yeah. You know, we don't love Sonny. I didn't love Sonny. I mean, I knew Sonny well, and I, you would fear Sonny because you know who you are, what, right. he, what he was and what he did, but you respect him the most because, you know, we uh, do a lot of things together. I sat with the whole summer with Sonny Francis and, and Michael at the um, Georgetown Inn in, in, in Brooklyn. And uh, my father, and his father was doing business. You know, you get to know people. I mean, he didn't growl at us. He didn't talk like a broken nose. You know, you speak like human beings to each other, you know? So you get to know people a different way, you know, even though what he did or what he does or, or what other people knows what he does. But he, if you don't know him to sit with him, you know, you would just know that one thing, you know, don't mess with him. You know, Sonny was a legend in his time, man. So, you know, uh, sunny, sunny. Yeah. Now when Joey gets killed, obviously it's, it's been well documented. You know, he was in Umberto's clam house. It was what? 43rd birthday, right? Yes. Well, 43rd birthday. Yes. Now again, we'll bring up yes. the Irishman again. It was depicted in the Irishman as Frank Sheeran. I've never heard anybody else that I've talked to on any of these interviews say that it was Frank. That was the trigger man. Um, you know, what's your take on that? Uh, we, we know for a fact, the law knows for a fact, they knew that night who did it. I mean, this is all, you know, it's great entertainment, you know, with the, with the, uh, the Irishman or some other stuff, but we know for a fact who killed, who killed uh, uh, Joey. Number one, Joey uh, had two bodyguards when that. They went to Copa, they were going home. They sent one bodyguard home, which is my godfather, Bobby Giovanni, Bobby Darrow, and Pete the Greek was taking uh, Joey home. So we got hungry on the way home and he wanted to go for Chinese food. And, and, and what happened was the Chinese food restaurant was closed. What gets me in the whole story and it even baffles me is, and, 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 and I never asked my father because there was no reason for me to ask me don't ask these things. And, and we just never talked about these things. I, I never remember the, the, the Chinese restaurant we go to, to be closed. Right. And number two, you had to pass by the Limehouse, which is a, is a Scongili house. To get to Umberto's. And the Limehouse was open. So I'm thinking now, well, you know, something's funny here, you know, unless Umberto's was closed that night. Uh, I don't think so, because I, I ate there many times after that, because we stopped going to Umberto's. We, we stood at the Limehouse and ate. So I know it's open. Why would Pete, you know, bypass the Chinese place uh, if it's closed, bypass that, go all the way around to Mulberry Street? I don't understand that. That's the only thing I never asked because, like I said, 
I didn't think of an accent, and you just don't ask those things. Anyway, so they go in front of um, um, Umberto's, a matter of horse, the wise guy from the Genovese family, owns a joint. He's standing outside. Pete the Greek knows him. So he pulls the window down and asks him, you know, for new. He says, yeah, come in. It's a new joint. It's opened up. What happens is Joe Luparelli was outside hanging out with the uh, with uh, Matty the Horse. When Joe Luparelli saw Joey Gallo, it was an open hit on Joey. Everyone knows this. It was an open hit. So Joe Luparelli runs around. There's a, there was a, a, a club around the, around the block. So he runs in the block, and he tells the guys there that Joe, Joe's around the block. What happened to be a Sonny Pinto's there. Sonny Pinto's a killer. Sonny DiBiase is a killer. He's there, and he says, okay, let's call up Columbo's. So they call up Joe Iacovelli, who's acting boss for the Columbo's. And so they tell him that Joe is around the block in Umberto. So Joe Yak tells him, well, go get a fucking gun and go kill him. So they put a crew together, a few guys, four or five guys, and they went to kill him. Now, but, but, but Joe Fish and Lubarelli didn't tell Joe Yak or, or, or Sonny Pinto that his wife was there, his mother was there, and the baby girl was there, and there was another girl there. He didn't say that. He just turned around and ran in there, because we know for a fact what was said afterwards, that he just said that Joey was there with Peter Greek with his bodyguard. And he said, well, go kill him. So yeah, everything is a little, little fuzzy. So what happens is they go in, they kill, they, go, they kill Joey. They come in and shoot Joey. Pete the Greek gets hit in the, in the butt. Joey runs outside to, to draw them away from the table. Joey Gallup. And he gets hit outside again. And that's the what kills him. He gets, right. he gets shot outside. So what happens is then the police come. Uh, Pete the Greek get, gets arrested for a gun charge. It was a, it was a gun. It was all empty. Because they shot. Because uh, Pete the Greek went out there and shot after the car. After they, after they left. So it was an empty gun. When the law comes, they find the gun. And uh, gets pinched for the gun, but he's in the hospital for a couple of couple of days because he got hit in the, in the butt. When they released him, he came back. He came to President Street, and the first thing Abu Gallo asked him, the first one word he says, "Who shot you, my brother?" And 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 I'm, we're all standing there. There's a there's six more guys that's still alive that still was there. He turns around to to uh, blast, and he goes, "It was Sonny Pinto." Guy knows who shot him in the ass. The guy knows who shot him. I mean, you know, they know each other, these people. These are not strangers. It wasn't a hit guy from out of town. It was Sonny Pinto. They had a, they had a problem before that. Um, so we knew it was Sonny Pinto. Now, Luparelli, uh, after the hit, goes upstate, hiding. He thinks they're going to kill him, too. And he runs like another bird. He runs away. And he goes to the feds. And he goes to the feds that the next, I think it was the next the day or two later. And he tells the whole story to the feds. Who drove? Who shot uh, Joey? You know he, the whole story. He told the whole story, so they know from day two the whole real story. The feds knew before everybody else because you had a rat that that turned. You had somebody who turned the phone. Guys who 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 um, put together the hit ran away and, and turned themselves into feds. Luparelli. I mean, I don't know what else you need, man. You know the yeah. feds knew from day one. Well, we talked you know, earlier so, about all the guys. So, that were loyal to Joey. I mean, what was the landscape in the street like at the time after he got taken out? What was, what was kind of the, the, the tone in the street? Well, everybody upset. When your guy gets killed, you get upset, you know, you get upset. 
uh, and then you get uh, then you get bitter and you get mad and you want to you know you want to take a head for it you know and that's what it, there is everybody got called in you know blast and uh punchy liano punchy and, and louis the syrian which is like a concierge down there trying to keep everybody calm because everybody's screaming motherfucking somebody you know, you know they're all looking for guns and grabbing guns and who are going to go shoot now because that's they killed joey i mean you know uh and they just tried to keep everything quiet you know calm on the block because everybody on the block and the law came right down to the block mm. so we were stuck there then that's it you couldn't move no more uh we were hiding guns anywhere we could because now the law is coming in and we couldn't get off the block no more uh i had i stood in the block for six months and leave the block once in six months because it was just too hot and the police were there all the time so you just had to get your head together and, you know, what the big boys wanted to do and figure it out. And, you know, um, uh, we knew uh, two days ago it was it was uh, it was Sonny Pinto, but we didn't know where it came from, why it came from. You know, we, we didn't know all that. That had to be figured out. Right. You know, but we just we just knew who the shooter was because Pete the Greek knew the guy. Mm-hmm. And that's why we knew from day from that day on it was Pete. Then they, they the big boys had to figure out what to do and. And uh, you know, and how to get back, and and that's what that's what a couple, a few guys got killed after that, back on the, on both sides, and and uh, then it quieted down. The law quieted everything down. Now at this point here, what are you into as far as light rackets for yourself? Because I do know you did get into doing or selling narcotics a little bit later on. Were you into narcotics at this point in time? No, no. Those days we were doing we were bookmaking, we were Sherlock and. Uh, swag. That's what we were doing. That was our main little thing. We were younger. Yeah, we did a lot of you know, lending money. We did a lot of um, sports was big. Uh, and, and a lot of swag. Swag was coming those days left and right, man. You, every every day there was somebody coming with something. Mm-hmm. So that kept us going. Don't, don't forget, my father owned, always owned Astro News, which is the school magazine. Right. You know, we owned that since 68. So it was, it was always a job there, always work. Right. So we always had that, no matter what, we always had that to earn on. But that wasn't big money at the time. You know, it was it was growing, it was young, it was new. Uh, in, the, in the porno industry, it was new. Uh, so, the, you know, scores and, and scores and swag were, were very big. Yeah, very big. I was, in, I was older when I got into drugs. Okay. Now, I, I always, I, I, I like to it. ask, a lot of these guys, especially guys from that era, you know, what does it feel like now, all these years later, when you look back, all the shit that they were trying to put you guys in jail for, like you just said, like loan sharking and gambling, and in some cases, you know, weed or, or whatever the case, all that shit's legal now. All, I mean, fuck, you, you pull up your phone, you can make a bet. And I mean, these, these, uh, payday loan companies, you know, the interest rates that they charge these fucking people are ridiculous. I don't even think y'all were charging interest rates that fucking high. No, no, they charge a hundred percent, man. We charged 3%. We were, they were put in jail forever. Uh, they got smart. We taught them everything, man. We taught the law, everything, man. You we did. You did. And we I mean, did. Run, even running numbers is essentially the lottery. Yeah, everything. They took over OTB from us, and they and, and they busted it out. I mean, that's ridiculous. We had it for hundred years. They busted it out because they couldn't manage it properly. You know, we had it forever. But uh, yeah, they learn off you, man. These guys get smarter and smarter and smarter. The law, man. That's why it gets harder and harder and harder. These guys are no dummies. 
know, they might they weren't really really um, that um, that uh, you know swift in the old days. They weren't. They really right. weren't. You know, uh, if you didn't have a rat around you, and you or you didn't get caught with a gun in your hand, or you know, a truck broke down with swag in it, they, they, you beat it. Yeah, you beat it. You know what I mean? Not today with the surveillance and with the you know informants and the and the and the, uh, the cameras and the phone and whatever else they have. They probably have lasers. I know they got a lot of things. You can't get away with nothing no more. No. But those days it was a lot easier. You know, we had a lot, a lot of connections for a lot of things because we had a lot of people in different places. And guys were being bought those days because you know, nineteen seventy-one, the people ain't making uh, you know, one hundred eighteen dollars an hour. You know, like today, uh, they were making. We get the, you know. Two, three hundred, four hundred dollars a guy working at the motor vehicle. We buy him for 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 two hundred dollar bill. We if we wanted a license or or a birth certificate. We buy these guys. It was easy, you know. Yeah. So we lived in a different we lived in a different time that made it easy for us, you know. Uh, you know, it, I came up at the right time. You know, I, I got the end of the sixties and the seventies was like cowboy shit, man. You know, the city was a wreck. You know. Uh, I was talking to my partner, Gumadil, Anthony DeLuca, which down present she with me all these late years. I'm still with him. And we talk about it. We didn't even recognize that the Pleasure Street, half the half the block was uh, was uh, condemned. We didn't even realize it. You know, but you don't look at things. Then we saw a film on it, and every other lot was a, a lot, broken house, burnt down. I said, I said, Anthony, I don't remember looking at that. He goes, we just didn't look, man, because we were so used to it. You know? And, and, and because it was a, that's what it was those days, you know. So it was common, you know. It was just easy times and stuff like that. I didn't get to drugs until until a lot later, man. It would be the eighties. Yeah. So now you worked with the uh, chin for a little bit too, right? Seventy four. Yeah. What happened was in seventy six. <clears throat> well, well, there's a whole big story in between. In nineteen seventy four, in nineteen seventy three. Well, okay, 72, Joey got killed. Right. For another year, right. uh, another year, people complaining that uh, they didn't want to, it was we had a, about a 40-man crew, uh, and Blast was in charge. What happened was we had one guy that was strained out in the crew, Mooney. He got strained out in the in the, in the 50s. Why, I don't know. But he's an older guy. And there was only one main guy in the whole crew. Uh, so what happened was they started, you know, Things were tight. Uh, they were, too many guys wasn't happy with Blast, so they wanted to break away. They want, they want to leave. But first, he said, before they leave the crew, they'd rather put somebody else ahead of the crew. Just take Albert out there and put somebody in. That's it, which is Mooney. He wanted to be the boss. But nobody liked this Mooney because he was a nasty guy. Nobody liked him. He was not well liked. So it was. we had a meeting on 7th Street in, in 73, and Funzawa came down, Frank Terry, Joe Chapani came down, Chin sent uh, Funzawa down. And um, we had a meeting there. And they asked my father, Ricky, to to take over the head of the thing. My father turned and laughed at them and said, it's a gallo name. He's alive. I'm with him. It's his. So what happened was <coughs> about a month later, about 10 guys broke away. So for, and these ten guys that were together in the crew that brought, these ten guys were broke away. We had a lot of businesses together. We had a shellac and bookmaking. We had we had clubs. We had the vending machines. A lot of stuff. Pop business. We were big. We were always big in hash. So what happened was, 
after six, seven months, they started feuding again, and then the shooting started. And uh, the first guy got killed was Steven Cirillo got killed. And then Punchuliani got shot, and Louis DeSerian got shot. And then um, and then a couple guys on, uh, on their side got shot. I don't know exactly names. And what happens when uh, Chin came down, because Blast was good friends with Chin, and, and, and Punchy. Punchy was good friends with Chin. And they said, why don't you get out of that crew? Come over to New York. So uh, so they sat down with Chin, and Chin made arrangements with, I think, Carmine Persico was in charge, and he was in jail. But they would, he says, I want you to release all these guys and let them come, go where they want to go. And, and the Columbos at the time, uh, yeah, said, get rid of them. We don't want them here because it was there's such a pain in the ass. It was always feuding. We don't need that crew. Uh, so what happened was they got released to Chin. So so in seventy in seventy six, pretty much everybody uh, got released from early seventy six. Got released from the Columbos and guys went different places. Uh, Bobby Borrello went, you know, pretty much went with John Gotti. A lot of guys went to different places. Right. We wound up going with uh, with Punchy and and uh, we wound up going with Chin because my father was good friends with Chin. So we wound up in Chin. Uh, in uh, 76. But, but just before that, before they left uh, Brooklyn, uh, another guy, Stevie Borrello, got shot. And uh, we made a, they, there was a stink being made. So they, those two guys that were involved that, with the shooting got called in. One, one didn't come in, and uh, one came in. When the guy that came in, they killed him right away. The guy went on the lam. When the other guy came back, they called him to come back. Uh, they said, you know, they squashed it because they killed, uh, I think they killed Chiraz, uh, 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 Chiraz, Jerry Cheritano, uh, Chiraz, we call him. They killed him. And then Mooney got called in and he didn't want to come in. And what happened was they said that by Chiraz getting killed, it's over with. So he came in and, and we killed him. And then he got killed. <laughs> and when he got killed, it was all over. Then everything was, was finished and we won them in New York with Chin. And we stood changed from 76 to about 82. So we got a drug pinch, 282, 84. And then we got the drug pinch, and we got released from there. Now, when you took the pinch on the drugs, you were facing life in prison. Yes. I was facing uh, – I got pinched for four A1 felonies, 425 to lives. And, uh, yeah, God, it, was a, it was a rat and an undercover agent. And what happened was – I, I got approached by somebody that wanted uh, coke. I didn't sell coke. I wasn't drug dealing at the time. But I'm, I'm a hooligan. I told him yes. And I went, I ran down to the hook, and I found somebody who sold coke. You become a coke dealer real quick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I ran down there. I said, I got a guy who wants something. But, oh, yeah. And I put it together. That's why, you know, I got, I got you know, for whatever I got pinched for. for it. So, but. They asked me, you know, after I got bail, I, I was in for about a month and a half. I couldn't make bail. I had a million dollar bail. I couldn't get it, couldn't get out. And then I finally got out, and the DA grabs me and says that, you know, that I'm screwed with these four A1 felonies. I said, okay. And uh, he says, but if, we know your father was involved. Why don't you just, you know, you know, give him, you know, tell me he was involved. He set it up and you didn't. And and you you pretty much can get a, a bullshit thing. I, I laughed at him. I said, I see you, I see you in trial. 
I went home. I told my father, I said, Dad, you know what this guy just did? He goes, what happened? He goes, he asked me, he said, to give you up. He goes, I can walk. He goes, don't worry about it. Keep your mouth shut and we're going to beat this. 19 months later, they tried the whole thing out of court. Wow. We beat the whole thing, whole thing out of court. And, um, and that was like 84. So then we had a, uh, the, the problem with Chin, because, you know, Chin finds out when a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a drug pinch. So we get, so Chin goes over the blast, get, we get called down. So my father grabs me and goes, you're going to get killed. I says, well, that's fine. That's nice. I said, but what are we going to do? I said, go get some guns. Let's go get some guns. He goes, hey, we can't. He goes, you can't. It's going to happen. He goes, we got to go. I looked at him. I said, we got to go. He goes, yep, we're going to go. I said, okay. So we got dressed up and I drove him and we went and he went up and uh, we had a meeting upstairs uh, in, a, in a club. And um, what happened was, but uh, Chin grabbed, uh, uh, I think it was Punchy at the time, or Bliss, and asked him what the f- going on with Ricky, you know. And 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 they, ex- and they ex- came up with this beautiful theory, this beautiful idea. He goes, Ricky's with us, but he's not with us. He's not spoken for. Ricky can do his advice. He's an independent nut. He can do what he wants. He just comes around if we need him or this, this, and that. Or we got people. But we don't really own him, you know, to, you know. So Chin looked at it and he goes, okay. Then, but don't make them come around no more. Make sure they make sure they're not around. So that's why we went up to New York, so they can tell us that we can't come around no more. And what happened was, uh, we uh, for a year or two, I didn't even think that much. We laid low, and then I think uh, two years later, my father was driving blast around it, <laughs> back around again. You know, it was all bullshit. You know. Uh, or maybe, or maybe, or maybe Chin left already. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I don't. I, I mean, you know, I'm not a historian. I'm just trying to tell you what's going on. Right. Uh, and then we wound up in, with Blast anyway, uh, driving around. And then, like I said, I think it's '92. Um, uh, Louis Tarisi and uh, Rudy Farone, Farone comes with good friends of my father. They were Jersey crew. What happened was my father was good friends with. Um, with Tunda, Jimmy Matunda. Jimmy Matunda mm-hmm. was a, that crew. He was a union guy. He winds up getting killed. They straightened his son out, Anthony. But he was green as a mother. So, because uh, uh, my, my father was very close to his father, and, and Anthony respected my father, they came down and said, this we stay, stay with Anthony and school him. So what happened was my father winds up uh, staying with Anthony and, and that crew, with, uh, with Rudy and uh, Louis Tracy and uh, a few other guys. Um, and uh, he wound up schooling Anthony. And we wound up being with Anthony from 92 until we, he get, they get the pinch in, 90, in 99. When right. everybody goes, you know, the well, Real quick. And what happens is that. I got one question okay. for you. If you think you were like a full member of, I guess I've been the Genovese at that time up under the chin. You guys would have probably been killed, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, we probably. If we, if you know, if we beat the case, and we said it was all bullshit. Sometimes you can bullshit your way out of there. Sometimes yeah, they, yeah. They turn out a little peek. If they really like you, and you didn't bring no heat on them, and it didn't roll over to them, just you, you can be. There's ways to where every rule's made to be broken, man. That's right. why I can't tell everybody. And you, if you're not there, you don't know that. People don't know that. So they go, oh, you, you yes, no. But if it doesn't roll over to the, to the chin and we and we and we do beat the case, we can sit there 
big bald and say, told you it was bullshit. So, yes, you could have, if, if, if everything ran right, you could have stood where you were if you beat everything. Yes. If you didn't, yeah, you're going to even get killed. Because we had uh, Rita Gigante on the show a few weeks ago. And it was interesting yeah. talking to her about how, you know, growing up with him and, you know, not realizing just exactly how powerful her father was. I mean, the chin was a powerful godfather. Um, couldn't even say, say his name, man. That's that's power. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people would just, you know, do the point to the chin. I mean, that's that's holding yeah. a lot of weight in those oh. streets. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's big. He was, he was powerful, man. Now, in the time when you were over in the decavs, I know you talked a little bit about Anthony Rotunda, and then he winds up cooperating, right, once that bus goes down? Yeah. We wound up in 1999, just for a pinch, I got put up to be made in, the, in that crew, in that family. My father grabs me and says that we're going to get straightened out, me and a couple of guys, because I make sure I wanted it. And I tell him, what do you think? And he goes, I think so. I said, okay. And he leaned over, and he leaned over, and he said, but I got to tell you one thing. And we're in a bar. We were at uh, TGIFs in Shepson Bay. We went to have a drink in there. And he leaned over the bar, and he leaned over the, and grabbed my hand. He goes, but don't forget one thing. And he goes, because I'm the one that's going to kill you, you fuck up. I said, okay. I looked at him. He smiled at me, pinched my hand. We had a drink, and then we went on our business. About two weeks later, we were supposed to get strained out. It was just around Christmas time. Everybody gets pinched. Everybody gets pinched. So I never get I never get strained out. And what happens, Anthony and all that that whole crew gets pinched. And uh Anthony is in uh in uh, jail for about a year, a little over a year. And uh also they took him out of circulation. So we knew that he went bad. We didn't know why, but then we found out that Vinnie Oceans is the boss, he flipped, Anthony Copper flipped. Uh, another, I think another under boss flipped, another copo flipped, uh, yeah, like two rats undercover agent, uh, under rats in there. So Anthony stood there, he was waiting to go to trial. And so he turned around and said, I'm dead. How am I going to get out of this? My boss flipped, my under boss flipped, this guy who made me flipped. He goes, I'm dead, man. So he says, you know, fuck you. You, you broke the rules. I'm done. I'm done. I'm not sitting here on the bag. And he, and he was pretty much right. Uh, who went and opened up uh, topless clubs in Texas, took all their money? Who, who everybody went in the program? They all you know, singing and dancing and having stuff. Who was that that he, did that? Who was, who was that that went to Texas and opened up the clubs? Was that him? Vinny Ocean's one. Vinny Ocean, that's boss, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Emma. He went no. He made the best deal for himself. He kept his money and went and went to Texas. Because we interviewed. Uh, <laughs> We interviewed Giovanni Rocco, and he was a FBI. He went undercover over there and made a big bust. It might have been after this one. I don't think it's the same bust. I don't think. When? Yeah, and the decavs. Oh, I don't know. After after that, there was no one left. What, three old men and, 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 and well, an old lady. I mean, when I did Ricky take really over? When did, when did the Eagle take over, John Riggy? Oh, before. Before? Before. Yeah, he was in... Uh, he was actually the, the real boss. I think Vinny Palermo was acting. Okay. Well, this may have been this may have been that bust. Yeah, this maybe was that. It was ninety nine. Um, no, Richie was still the boss. Uh, it, it was uh, Palermo was acting boss. 
Okay. And two other guys, and another guy. Uh, I didn't know. Don't forget, we're the Brooklyn crew, so we didn't go out much to Jersey. Right, right. One or two times, we had to go. And uh, so what happened was after the Andy went bad and stuff like that, and everybody else went bad, and everybody went bad, you know, they never came to us, the Jersey, uh, whoever's left over there, because number one, they were running for the hills because they didn't yeah. know when next pinch was coming, who the next rat was. They didn't know our business in Brooklyn because uh, Anthony was the skipper and, uh, and um, uh, Rudy passed away. And so they, they didn't have no – who the hell are you going to grab? They ain't going to ask me, my father. They don't even know us. And, and, and they were afraid to, to implicate themselves in anything. So you know what they did? They made us walk away. We just walked away. Wow. No one come knocking on the door. We just walked away. We did what we had to do, but we shut everything down because, you know, Anthony was a skipper and he went bad. They got everything on us. So you're not going to do it no more. You know, so we just walked away. And that's how my father and myself walked away because we were at the right place, the right time. And these guys were all so fucked up that they didn't come looking. They said, oh, you can't get out of the mafia. These guys were so afraid. They, they were. They, they didn't know who to talk to, who not to talk to, and, 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 and to open any more cans of worms. They were. They were. They were ditch indictments. They don't know who the next guy was flipping was. So they said, "Leave those guys in Brooklyn alone. They, they, ain't, they ain't touching none of our stuff. Forget about it." You know, and that's how. That's what. That's what happened there. Okay. I and, rem- that's, and that's that story. I remember. Yeah. Did you know a guy over there, Charlie? Uh, Charlie the Hat Stango. I know of him. I'm not, I wasn't, I wasn't friends with him. I, I know, know he him. was, uh, Charlie Stango was kind of like the, the guy that vouched for Giovanni when he came in to the decaps. Really? Yeah. He was one of oh, he the, was old man. Yeah. Well, who you talking about the, yeah. the agent or, yeah. uh, the hat, the hat. Yeah. Yeah. He was an older guy. Wasn't yeah. He? Yeah. Yeah. Guy. Yeah. He was an older guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, a, no, that was an interesting story because you didn't, you didn't hear too much about him. I mean, a lot of times when you heard the, the, the decavs supposedly loosely, they were kind of the basis for the Sopranos. John Riggy was kind of modeled for Tony Soprano. So, supposedly, I mean, you know, you never know until you actually talk to whoever really kind of done this, but it was a hundred percent off the, that, that crew in, in uh, Jersey, a hundred percent off that man. Uh, what's his name? David Chance was the Chase. Yeah, Diana. David Chase. Chase. Yeah. He had a guy that was from Jersey that fed him everything. They knew all the ins and outs. They knew all the who was with who and what was with what. Uh, so he had a that was he had a lot of inside information from uh whomever it was. Uh so it was really he was pretty very, very accurate in a lot of things. Yeah, I think so too. Some of the scams that they pulled off, I think, was a lot of you know what really went down. What did you think of that series? I mean, were you a fan of it? Well, don't forget, we made friends with everybody. I, you know, Vinny Pastore and Frank Vincent and um, Christopher and uh, those are all friends of mine. So yeah. you know, we met them too because we were Jersey crew. They knew that, so we happened to make all friends because. Uh, they want to hook up with guys from Jersey. They right. knew we were uh, Sammy the Plumber crew, so you wind up being friends. So they started hanging out where where we were at the clubs and at the top. We had a top of joint in the city, and uh, so many pastor and everybody came down all the time. So you made friends with them. Yeah, we liked them. We we went out, we made friends. We were friends to this day. Most of them died, you know. Uh, 
Well, Sirico, uh, who just I, passed I, away I, recently, Sirico was a real mob guy. Yeah, he came from uh, Bensonhurst. He was a knock-around guy in the, in, in, until he walked away. Yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, he was about the only one there, really, that was really yeah was really involved uh, earlier. But the other guys, they did well. I mean, Frank Vincent did a great job. I mean, you know, oh, the yeah. past story did a wonderful job. I mean, um, uh, um, Tony, I mean, the guy. Uh, Gandolfini. Uh, what's the name of that guy? Gandolfini. Yeah. He was excellent, man. Because he, he didn't look the part, but he, he was so good at it. I mean, he just did he just did so well at it. And then making friends with uh, everybody, you, you tend to like it a little more because you're friends. So you get, you get a little biased, you know. Uh, uh, so uh, and then I was in a car with Anthony one time. There's a story out there that uh, we had an undercover in the agent in a, in a car. We didn't know. We met at uh, Bozelli's in, in Staten Island one day for a meeting. And uh, my father, Anthony, a few guys. I wound up at the bar with, with the agent because we didn't sit down to eat yet. But it, but I was the agent was talking to me about baseball. We were watching Yankee game. So it was all good. Then we went to table and ate, and then we left, and uh, we drove. It was uh, me, my father, Anthony Rotunda, and uh, I think it was uh, the other the, the rat, the informant. And uh, he, was t- he was wired. I, I didn't notice. I was driving. And Anthony and my, uh, was, the, was the one that started that. It's all over the place that, you know, uh, I think they're talking about us. With yeah. The yeah. That that's Anthony. on, that's that on the wiretap. I think that that's, I think it was Anthony. I was in the car that day. It was, I think it was Anthony Rotunda or Frankie Tinney. I don't know. One of the guys, but it was one of us. I was driving, you know what I mean? And I remember the conversation, but uh, that was an undercover agent was in the car. Wow. You know? uh, no. The undercover agent, no, not the cop. The informant was in, it was uh, was uh, was in the car with us, and uh, I mean it's a great story. It's a, it's an old story, you know. It's old, but it, it was a good story, you know. Uh, you know, I was in the belly of the beast for many, many, many years. Yeah. Uh, now, and then we walked away. And then, you know, everything else is a memory. That's what I was going to get to too, because your your dad walked away first, right? And he retired down to Florida. Yeah, I, I we did together. 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 He looked at me. I said, what are we doing? And he says, that's it. Anybody calls, don't answer the phone. And they call you down, don't go. That's it. And that was his last words about it. And that's it. And we walked away. Now, a lot of people do not get that luxury. And I, I, we talked at the beginning of the show, your father's kind of idea about this, don't get married or, or hitched to one crew. You can basically be a freelancer and you don't really have to answer to anybody. By and large, that's probably what kept you guys alive, or you especially. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it kept him alive, kept me alive. Oh, definitely kept me alive. Well, just being his son kept me alive because I was. Yeah, I did a lot of we did a lot of wild and bad things, and you know when you're young and you got big balls, you know you some you yell at the wrong people sometimes. I got a lot of passes for that, you know, because I was Ricky's son, not because they feared me, because they didn't know me yet. But they they respected my father, feared him, and I got a lot of passes. So uh, I don't know. Uh, when you're there, you're doing it. You yeah. do it. You know what I mean, there's no Monday morning quarterback in then. You can do that 50 years later if you survive. Right. Uh, but when you're when you're doing it, that's your life. That's what you do. You know. Uh, but we we. Uh, had enough. Ricky made enough uh, good move, moves in his 
to plan to to place himself in a good position, being well liked, and and being smart enough to know that 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 if you don't you know commit yourself for that button, he goes a lot of people that but he my father knew he was a tough guy. My father killed many people. He had a lot of under his belt. Everyone knew it from every crew, every family. We I, I, we were friends with Roy DeMeo. We were friends with uh, uh, Paulie Vario. Over my house all the time for business reasons. Uh, you know, Robert uh, DB very close with us. You know, Bobby Di Bernardo. Bonello. That was the porn guy, right? That uh, Sammy porn. killed. He was with us the day he got killed. Uh, really? Um, so we, had, yeah, he came to my house. He came on that morning. My father's in jail. Came over because my father was doing a, a short bid, and he called up because he knows my father calls my mother at a certain time. So he came over to the house in the morning, had breakfast with us, and he and when Ricky called them, he. he um, DB uh, told my father, he goes, uh, Sammy called me down to Crapsy Avenue. Ricky told him, don't go. He goes, you buy, oh, don't go by yourself. So uh, he says, well, bring Frankie boy, meaning me. <laughs> so uh, DB says, nah, 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 nah. There's no reason for me not to go. DB goes, there, an hour later, they killed him. But oh, my shit. father told him that morning, do not go by yourself. If, if you got to go, don't go by yourself. And DB was 100% sure there was no reason that anything was going to happen. And they killed him an hour later. You think if you'd have so, went with him, they'd have killed you too? Oh, I'm, I'm fucking dead. We wouldn't have this conversation. But, no, 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 no. Thank God for DB didn't want to think he was a good thing there because I would, yeah, I would have got killed. Because I'm number one. I wouldn't have went shooting. I wouldn't have done that. They're way ahead of my over my head. You don't do that, you know. And by the time I reacted to something, I would have been, I would look like a Swiss cheese. Yeah. By the time you react, you ain't going to do something bad. You're at a disabled. You're you're lost already. Yeah, because DB so he was dead, he was big into the porn and stuff, right? He was kind of the porn guy down there at that time. Yeah, he was big. He had a, he had the, uh, the national distributorship for everything, man. Everything. He also had a lot of other legitimate businesses, but that's what he's known for. Yeah. Wow. So you guys really did get to deal with the best of, you know, each crew, everything that everybody had to offer. You kind of did get to, to pick and choose who to make money with. I mean, that's really looking bad. That's really kind of the better way to go. The only thing is if you get in hot water, who do you go for backing though? Why you with someone? Well, yeah. Well, speaking of you guys, like just say, if you're dealing with DB, right, you're doing some kind of dealing with DB. Yeah. Who do you go for, for backing? Whoever you're with, even though we're friends, whomever you're with at the time, that's who you're going to go to. Okay. I, don't know who, I, I don't know what year that was. I'm, I'm lost for years. Right. But we might have been with Anthony then. He might have came to my father just for advice because we were friends all our lives. And Ricky was really very schooled that way. Okay. So we could have been with Anthony at the time. We could have still been with Chin. Right. I, I don't know. Okay. But uh, he called, He came for advice. You know what I mean? Just like Joe Chapani. Joe Chapani's been a, he was with a Joe Adonis and Luckily Channel. Ate my house every Sunday. But they spoke and they and they put their brains together and, and, and they figured things out and, and they bring things to each other. Um, I mean, you just sit with Joe Chapani is like sitting with the royalty. I mean, I sat with him every Sunday forever. Right. Uh, you know, a guy with Luckily Channel and, and Frank Costello. That was Joe Adonis's partner. So you, uh, you, you get to meet everybody. A lot of people you don't, you don't like. A lot of people do like, you know, there was a lot of guys I didn't like. I, I knew a lot of guys were assholes or, or, or just 
douchebags and stuff like that. And, but you just keep your mouth shut and you've got nothing to say. Don't say it. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, w- I was in Miami and met uh, Maya Lansky. You know, we met Lansky at the cricket club. They were doing, we doing a deal. Um, I wound up just driving. I wound up drinking and having fun. But my father was doing a deal with uh, some Colombians in, uh, in um, uh, some Cubans in uh, in Miami. We were in Miami at the cricket club. And I wound up having lunch with uh, Maya Lansky. I mean, I, it was great, man. I had lunch with Frank Costello. Uh, I ate for a whole summer every Thursday night with, Kendall, with Carlo Cambino. I, I sat at his table. He invited me to his table for a whole, whole summer. I think it was the summer of 72, if I'm not mistaken. I don't, think I'm, I was, I don't think I was with my wife yet. Right around that time. I lose track of time because it wasn't important, you know? Right. Uh, only now, because we talk about it, I try to remember stuff, you know? But uh, I, I met royalty of all royalty, man. Uh, I, I still say my father probably was the... Uh, I'm a little biased because he's my father, but right. he's probably the, the the man's man of men I met. Only because I was, you know, I know what he did, you know, and I saw how other people treated him. And that's what my father taught me. It's not what you say about yourself, man. It's about people. So what people say about you. Right. You know, and, and, and Ricky is a legend. You know, when I, when I was, you know, Ricky and we like, when we went to the, the, what's that? <laughs> when we went, when we went to the um, uh, uh, Jersey crew and those guys over there, we sat down for the first night and I just met them, you know, a couple of them like that. And they said, we had set a big table eating and, and they linked over to me and goes, your father's a legend, you know? And, and, you know, you go, holy shit, you know, uh, this crew of guys that just meeting Ricky too, but was told by their guy, you know, by Anthony Rotundo or, or whomever's over there that, who he was or what he did. And, and the guys lean over to you and say, you know, your father's a legend, you know, you know, it's gotta be man. Yeah. It's what, like my father's he's what they, what they say about you is, is the key. Not what you say, but I can say anything about myself. You know? Absolutely. Uh, it, it, it was, it was a great ride. It was a great ride. Do I miss it? Yeah. I mean, you can't do it no more. Yeah. But, you know, it was a sick world. We were crazy. We didn't, we didn't make no sense. You know, you didn't think about nothing. It was natural. Could I do it again now? I, I don't think so. I don't think I have that that bitterness. Or I mean, do I get mad now? I get mad. I, I wish you would. I say I say to my son, my wife said, I wish it was 1972. I'll open your face up right now. But I, I turn around. I go, it's not 1972. I, I didn't open no one's face. Up, so it's they, dev- yeah, it's definitely not so, that now. <laughs> um, well, I Frank, my back hurts. Oh man! I mean, come on, man. But it was a great, it was a great time. Not a lot of people got to do what I did. Right. Um, especially a lot of other guys in this genre because it was set in one place, like you said, right. and they didn't get to meet everybody. I, mean, I spanned like almost 50 years of meeting the best. Wow. And no one questioned me because everyone everyone who do, does know knows it's true. So right. that's why I never get no feedback. I've been doing this for 13 years, man, right. you know, with the, with the magazine and then, you know, the well, books. Well, that's what I wanted to touch on before we get out of here. First, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you coming on the show, but tell our listeners where they can go to track down your book. And then also the magazine that you have. Okay. You go to mobcandymag.com. I have the new mob candy magazine that just hit the, we just put out and every book I wrote, I wrote the bun, like 10 books already. So, you know, Alvin has stage. I wrote the Hitman about Joey's killing. Mm-hmm. You know, I wrote the Pleasure Street boys. I wrote the uh, Carmine Persico is a great book. I wrote a book about Carmine. I mean, they're all there. Everything's there on the website. You know, mobcandymag.com. 
All right, we'll put that our website in the show notes of this on the YouTube. So if anybody wants to go pick up some of those books, they can get that. Uh, they can follow longer. What's are you on any social media platforms? Yeah, I probably am. Uh, I'm on. Uh, um, oh Christ, I'm on. I got uh, Facebook. I got Mob Candy Mag, right. Uncle Frankie Demario. Uh, and I got something on uh, what's the other thing? Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I don't I don't know how to turn it on yet, but I, I do some pop up. I do talk to people and they go, well, it's been seven months since you answered me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you find me, Frankie, Frankie, Mario, Mob Candy, it all links up. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I am Hollywood Wayne. That was Frank DiMatteo. And unfortunately, we're out of time. Frank, I want to say how much I appreciate you stopping by the show, my friend. You got it. Thank you so much. All right, buddy. We'll talk with you later. Well, boy, oh boy, what an episode that was. Very interesting. You know, how close was he to death? If he'd have went with DB that day, I'm sure Sammy would have put a bullet in him and wouldn't have thought twice about it, just like he did DB. So very interesting there. That's uh, quite the story. I hope everybody enjoyed it. I hope everybody is enjoying these episodes. We put a lot of work into them. We hope everybody is enjoying it. Let us know in the comments if there's somebody you want us to try to get on, a story we haven't covered, a specific case you want us to cover. Let us know. We take requests, folks, so just let us know how we're doing. Let us know what you think. We appreciate all input. As far as our audio side of things, we are available, as you all know, everywhere. Audios uh, that can be found, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Google, Amazon. We're all over the damn place, folks, and, of course, on the YouTubes at crime and entertainment, go give us a like follow on there, hit that notification bell. That way you get notified when we drop episodes, typically on Sunday, but you know, every now and again, old Hollywood gets a wild hair and he'll, you know, do a different thing. Maybe drop something in the middle of the week for you. So you never know. Want to keep your eyes peeled for that. So if you click that notification bell, you won't have to worry about missing anything. Great episode coming next week, folks. I can't even tell you how excited I am. We have Michael Thompson, who spent 45 years in prison, rose through the ranks very quickly within his first couple of years with the Aryan Brotherhood to be a top shot caller with the Aryan Brotherhood up there with guys like T.D. Bingham, Barry Mills. I mean, he his name was right up there with those guys. Uh, ultimately did go against the brand. They'd done a lot of killings that he wasn't in favor of. And just a fantastic interview. Maybe one of the best interviews I think I've ever done. So I can't wait to let you guys take a listen to that. That's coming up next week. So don't miss that episode. Don't miss any episode here on Crime and Entertainment.